You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi C. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. Or, if you don't like Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com, you can always go to our webpage at letstalktorah.net. That's let's talktorah.net. And you can look in the archives, find the old shows, find the new shows, leave questions, leave comments, hopefully nice comments. Um, questions, we don't care. We'll just answer as many as we can. And, of course, that all-important donate button to help the show keep going, flourish, spread the word. So if you can hit that donate button, pick one of our levels. You want a shout-out, you don't want a shout-out, whatever works for you works for me. And again, I do thank you all in advance. We live in a crazy world. The world has gone crazy. I mean, there's wars everywhere. Ukraine and Russia, Israel, Hamas, who knows what's going on in China now. And just, it's a crazy world. We're safe right here in the studio, at least for now. You know, you got to wonder. Can you really get rid of anti-Semitism? I don't think so. It's been around forever. Even in the Torah portion, Isaac moves into the uh, into the Plishtim area, first a nice Tim, then he becomes wealthy, then they throw him out of town, and he digs one well, they fight over it, he digs a second well, they fight over it, finally he digs a third well, and then Avimelech comes out and says, you know, let's make a peace treaty, and you got to be nice to me because I could have beaten you up. And I was nice to you. So it's been around forever, which is sad, but at least I don't know if we should be fooling ourselves. So Isaac, last week, Isaac and Rebecca have their two children, Jacob and Esau, and 63 years later, Isaac gives the blessings, and Jacob tricks Isaac and Esau, and he gets those blessings. But even with that trick, Isaac finally figures out that the blessings do belong to Jacob. That's where they they belong. Asa, of course, who spent 63 years trying to fool his father into believing he's something that he's not. He drinks the cup of comforting. Um, I'm not sure exactly what you call it in English, but that's the cup that says, as far as I'm concerned, my brother Jacob is a dead man. And Rebecca gets wind of this. She has Ruchakeda. She figures out, she knows what Asa wants, and she's got to get her son, uh, Jacob, out of town. Got to get out of Dodge. Which is really a funny phrase, because I actually listened to a podcast. You know, in the Westerns in the 50s, those uh, television shows about Dodge made Dodge sound like, you know, the murder capital in history. It wasn't such a bad place. It was a bad place on the TV westerns, but 
in reality, it was clearly not that. I'm not saying there were no murders there, but forget not on the scale of what the, the television shows made it sound like. It, it, it was not. It wasn't so bad. But okay, fine. So Isaac tells Jacob, you got to leave. So Jacob gets his stuff, and he packs out of town. And where does he go? He goes to the well. The well is the same place, the same idea of what Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, did when he was looking for a wife for Isaac. He goes to the well. Jacob goes to the well. And by the way, Moses goes to the well. So obviously there's more to, you know, looking for a wife than just going to the well. Like, I mean, it's a nice idea, but like what gives exactly this going to the well? It's a lot of details. He sees the shepherds, and there's three groups of shepherds, and they're waiting to water their sheep, and, and, and they're waiting, and Jacob has to talk to them and tell them uh, that it's too early to be here for, for uh, shepherding. You should be out grazing. You're, if it's your animals, you're not feeding them properly. And if you're shepherds, you're stealing. Um, but even before that, let's just take a step back. There are a lot of details here, which we, we, we shouldn't be so concerned with. The question is, like, what does it teach us? So obviously it's hinting to stuff. There's always, always deep messages, especially on this stuff that we don't seem to need to know. It just seems to be not important to us. So when there's details on things that you think are not so important, that's the first hint that there's a message here that most people are just going to blow right by. So what we need to know is the well is water. Wells are always symbolic of Torah and divine inspiration. Where do we get our inspiration from? From the temple from synagogues. So this is a place where we have to be getting inspiration. Jacob is getting ready to get married, and we don't go in blind. We need to have a foundation where we've been inspired and taught and trained to be ready to, to build a fulfilling life, but a life that serves God. So Jacob says to the shepherds, like, what are you guys doing here? It's too early in the day to be getting water. So here, again, a very important lesson. When you see something doing something wrong, say something. Say something. People are so afraid when they see somebody doing something wrong. If everybody would tell people when they're doing something wrong, life would be so much better. You got these guys ripping off posters all over the place. Wait, what are you afraid of? Just say something. Because they just think that... Now, maybe they think they're right. So I ask them, are you right? Is this the right thing to do? And either they have a good reason, which they usually don't, but as long as nobody's arguing, they, they think they got a good reason. If you see somebody doing something wrong, you don't get to say, it's none of my business. I mean, you could, right? That's what almost everybody does. They see somebody doing something wrong, and it's not my business, I don't want to get yelled at. Maybe the guy's going to pull out a gun and shoot me, which is unlikely, right? You say something. 
You see something, say something. It will make the world a better place. People don't realize. As long as no one says anything, they think that uh, everything is free. They can do whatever they want, no consequences, and no one to even teach them what's right and wrong. What are you afraid of? You see somebody doing something wrong. I, I don't say if you're driving your neighborhood. happens, I do it not often. You see a child running into the street. You don't want to stop and tell the child you got to look. I'm not saying punish the child. I'm not saying discipline the child. I'm just saying, hello, you got to look before you run into the street. And then that child can live. The parent says, don't you dare tell my child anything. Okay, you don't want me to talk to your child. I won't talk to your child. No problem. Then you talk to your child. You see your kid running into the street. It's dangerous. Like, what are we afraid of? So Jacob sees Rachel coming. The shepherds had told Jacob that there's not enough water here. A very, very low water supply. So if we don't all come at the same time to roll off the stone from the mouth of the well, one guy will take all the water, the rest of our sheep will die. So we have to, we got this humongous boulder. It takes all of us to roll the boulder off the mouth of the well. And this way, everybody makes sure that we share the water. Um, Jacob sees, Jacob sees Rachel coming. And he knows this is going to be his wife. And Jacob's a strong guy. He, on his own, picks up that rack, lifts it up the mouth of the well, and he waters the sheep. Now, by the way, for the next 20 years, there will be no problem with the water supply. The water comes to the top of the well. They don't have to cover it. There's, there's always enough water for the next 20 years. Actually, Lovan will tell the populace, we got to keep Jacob here. I mean, he's a wicked guy, Lovan. He realizes Jacob is righteous. He understands God is having the water come to the top of the well because of Jacob. So instead of going ahead and respecting Jacob for who he is, he's going to take advantage. Guys, we got to trick Jacob. We got to do whatever we could to keep Jacob here as long as possible. That way, we'll have water. Because once he leaves, you know it's going back to the way it was. So that's what kind of guy Lovan is. You know, Lovan is an interesting name. Lovin means white. Lovin is the king of the tricksters. Even his name, my name is Mr. White. I am a pure fellow. Even his name signifies that he's not a good fellow. And it's, he tricks you with his name. Okay. So Jacob sees Rachel. He cries. He kisses her. Um, I, I saw someone explaining... Every time at the beginning of the Torah portion that it talks about Rachel, it tells me the daughter of Lavan, sister of Rebecca. Right? As this Rachel is the niece of Rebecca, hence Rachel and Jacob are cousins. But every single time it mentions to me, daughter of Lavan, sister of Rebecca. That Lovin is a sister Rebecca. Why? Because Jacob has been on the road for a while. He went, he went to hide in the school of Shem and Aver. He studied there 14 years. Then he's on the road. Now he's here. He misses his mother. 
loves his mother, but he can't go home because he has to worry about Esav. In Rachel, he sees his mother. He sees someone he can relate to. He's been in a world with rotten people. Here is the person that Jacob can relate to. This is his mother. So he gives her a kiss. Not a sexual kiss. He gives her a kiss on the forehead. She's a little girl. It's debatable how old she is. Because Jacob's going to offer to work for seven years. Some say she's only five because he's not going to marry until she's 12 anyways. So that's what some say. Now, by the way, we said that Jacob has this great strength. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. This superhuman strength that Jacob has passes on to the children and even to some of the grandchildren. Because later on, when Joseph is putting Shimon in jail while the other brothers go back up to Canaan till they bring Benjamin back down, so Joseph's soldiers were not strong enough to get Shimon to go to jail. He's shrugging him off. Timonashi gives him a punch. And Shimon says, this punch is like from the children of Jacob. Again, they should have figured out, put two and two together, that the, the guy sitting on the throne is their brother. But, okay, God didn't want him to put it together. And uh, they had no reason to put it together because they couldn't imagine that to be true. But anyway, there's superhuman strength over here. So Rachel warns Jacob, my father is a trickster. It's going back to the last show we talked about, right, that Jacob says, I'm a straight shooter. I'm straight. I am MS. I am truth. But I can deal with tricksters. Now, even though it looks like that Lovin gets the upper hand because uh, he has to work for seven years and then uh, Lovin tricks him and gives him Lovin first, gives him, I'm sorry, Leia first, and then he gives him Rachel a week later, but he has to work another seven years. And then I'll have to work six years to earn some money. But at the end of the day, 20 years later, Jacob has Leah, Rachel, uh, Bill and Zilpah, the two maid servants, 11 children, and tremendous wealth. So yes, at the beginning, it sure looks like Lovan is pulling a fast one. But if we look at the whole story, at the end of the day, who won? At the end of the day, Jacob has everything. At the end of the day, Jacob has everything. And that, right... And that teaches us, right, that it's, it's not our strength, it's not our cunning, it's nothing. It's all God. It's all God. Now, some say that perhaps this number seven, knows why does Jacob pick seven years? As Lovin says, they go, Rachel goes home, tells her father that uh, that the cousin is here, and Lovin goes out and thought he had tons of money with him, like Kelly has in a slave hat, and now he finds out that Jacob has no money, and he, he brings him in, he says, well, your family, and he has him work for the next month, and he says, oh, it's not nice, I should make you work for free. So, they, so Jacob offers seven years. Wow, what kind of crazy offer is that? You're willing to work seven years um, for Rachel? So the number seven seems to come up in multiple places. For example, here, seven years of working, um, when Jacob will go back and he will meet his brother Esau, it says he bowed down seven times. So there's a verse. The verse says, the righteous fall seven times and still get up. 
right? Which is a fascinating verse, right? It's the simple explanation of the verse is that we don't give up. Okay, we started the show with those those three wells. Really, it was a fourth well, but the three wells that Isaac did, digs, he digs the first one, and they they fight over it and they take it away. And he digs the second well, and they fight over it and they take it away. And he digs the third well. You don't give up when things don't work the first time, a second time, and a third time, right? right? We we keep we keep going, we keep trying, we keep putting in effort till it works. Right? It doesn't have to work the first time. It doesn't have to work the second time. So Jacob, right, the same thing, he bows down seven times till Esav uh, is willing to be friendly to Jacob in next week's Torah portion. Right? The whole time, right? Jacob needs help. Right? But he, but he has to figure out, I got to put in the effort, but it's not me. See, sometimes if we think that that all I have to do is put in effort. I was listening to a podcast about this. Put a lot of people out of business. But not always. You can put in all the effort you want. Right? But sometimes the cards, the deck is stacked against you. You put in all the effort you want. And I think we have to think about that a lot also, right? I, I have to put in my effort. But in the end of the day, it's God. So Jacob needs help with Lavan. God's there to help. Jacob needs help with Esav. God's there to help. The Jewish people go down to Egypt. Along comes Moses the prophet. Takes his hand. So God. Now. Jacob, to prepare himself from this trickster, he gives like a secret code, like a password almost. It's really the list of uh, mitzvahs that a wife has. Her special mitzvahs that she has, her special commandments, that's what Jacob gave over to Rachel. Um, some say that the reason he needed seven years, we had, he had to teach Rachel what it means to be Jewish, how to serve God. She grew up with idolaters. So he has to train her in. Training in doesn't sound nice. But I don't mean to train her in. I mean she has to learn what's expected, what's, what, 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 what a Jewish mother has to know, all the Jewish laws. Hey, seven years, not such a long time. And the night of the wedding comes, and Rachel realizes her father's pulling a switch, and it's going to be Leah going down. She'll wear her veil, so Jacob won't know. And maybe they looked alike. And she gives her sister the secret code. And that's unbelievable. The, the strength of character that a person needs to give up everything. No one said that Jacob's going to have two wives. Yeah, he loves Rachel, but Rachel, you, you gave your sister the secret code, so you want me to marry your sister. Okay, great. What if I don't want another wife? What if I work seven years, I got my wife, I'm going home. Rachel's done. Matriarch? Not happening. Jacob's leaving. There's no guarantee that Jacob will marry Rachel. He does, good, great, lucky Rachel, but no way to expect it. Her reward is fantastic. Um, after the destruction of the first temples, it says all the patriarchs go and they're begging God, you got to take the Jewish people out of exile. And then Rachel prays. And she says, I wasn't jealous over my sister. I love my sister. I could have been jealous she's marrying my husband. 
I could have said, huh, good luck, because I ain't giving you the, the signs. Why well, didn't even know there were signs? I'm not going to give them to you. You lose. And then she could have her husband, but she couldn't do it to her sister. She loved her sister. So he says, God, look how I took care of my sister. I wasn't jealous. So God, I know the Jewish people did idolatry, but don't be jealous. Remember how I acted towards my sister, what I was willing to give up. You got you to gotta give in. So God says, okay. God says, no problem. I'll, I'll bring the Jewish people back from exile. Now it is interesting. So now it ends up that Jacob is marrying two sisters. And as part of the problem Rachel should have realized is you learn the Torah. And the Torah says you can't marry two sisters. And the, the patriarchs, the matriarchs kept the Torah. So how is Jacob marrying two sisters? This is multiple answers. Some say outside of Israel, they didn't keep the Torah. Which sort of works because when Rachel enters the land of Israel with, uh, with Jacob and Leah and their children, she dies. Because in Israel they kept the laws. Others say they only kept the positive commandments, not the negative commandments. Others say that Jacob can't make Rachel suffer because of his stringencies. And others actually say there are exceptions. The, 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 the patriarchs, we find others like, uh, like Moses' parents, that they could look and say that this marriage makes sense, even though once the Torah is given, we're not allowed to do it, but pre the Torah being given, we are allowed to make exceptions. There are many answers. So it's so interesting. There were two friends. They were comparing dating notes. And the guy said, well, you know, I found this gorgeous girl. Gorgeous. Not so smart. So she, she didn't understand the world. So I moved on from her. Then I found this beautiful and smart girl. But the, we just weren't communicating. We just we weren't speaking the same language. Then I found the perfect woman. Gorgeous, smart, intelligent. We had amazing conversations. So the friend said, uh, so what happened? She said, I'm not the perfect guy. Right? We, we confuse perfection. Right? We think that we need perfection. We do not need perfection. You're looking for a wife. You're looking for a spouse. You're looking at your children. We do not need perfection. God has plans. Right? Jacob marries Leah. That was not his plan. Right? You don't know what's perfect for you. You don't know... Um, what kind of children you're supposed to have. You think you're supposed to have those perfect children you put up on a pedestal? Absolutely not. You have what God planned for you. That's what you're supposed to have. That's what you're supposed to get. Um, I've told you a story in the past. There were two brothers. And they both had families, but one brother really had a, a just a, a harder life with his wife, with his children, with his livelihood. Just things did not go easy for one of these brothers. But he was always a happy fellow, always jolly, always happy. So one day they're getting together, so 
first brother says to the second, you know, you're always happy. Can you explain to me, how is it you're always happy when when your life is not the best? I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. Like, you know, things are not great for you. So it's true. It's true. Um, I've been dealt a rough hand, but let me ask you a question. If we were going to play cards together, right, and I get dealt a bad hand, so do I throw the cards down in disgust and say, I got a bad hand, I'm not playing? Or do you play the hand you were dealt? And the answer is, if you're a, an intelligent person, you play the hand you're dealt, and that's life. And that's life. He says, these are the cards God dealt me. This is the hand I got. So if this is the hand I got, I'm going to play to the best of my ability. Might as well be happy about it. If it's my choice, if it's up to me, then very good. If it's up to me, I can decide to do whatever I want. But if it's not up to me anyways, this is the life God's giving me. Might as well choose to be happy with it. Right? As we talk about this all the time, happiness to, to a, is dependent on my attitude. If I know that this is what God wants for me, okay, this is what I got. Okay, there goes the music. We're not going to get through this. I hope you enjoy it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, for our wonderful sponsors and listeners. I can't do it without you. Thank you, my production team. I have Alan in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build every 